0: Would you agree with me that one of the best blessings that God has given to humankind in all of human history is the long, hot shower? I'm talking about the type of shower that warm water massages your back, the type of shower that warms you up on a cold winter day, the type of shower that lasts so long that you threaten to make aquatic animals go extinct. I'm talking about that type of shower. I love a long, hot shower, and that's why what happened to me a while ago made me pretty upset. In the last home that we lived in, in Milwaukee, there was a clog in the drain. And I don't know if you've ever had a clog in your shower drain where you kind of have your filthy, lukewarm water rising up to your ankles, Um, but it's disgusting. It's awful. And I'm not that big of a handyman, but I got my screwdriver and I opened up the drain And you know what was there waiting for me? Like this soaping, wet, ferret-sized ball of hair. Good thing my wife has like this really thin toothbrush that I could use to get it out of there. And I'm sorry if I didn't mention that to you. Uh. But the point that I'm trying to make is that sometimes to enjoy God's blessings, you need to deal with something uncomfortable. God has given us the blessing of sex. He invented sex. He gave it to humans to be a great gift that bonds husbands and wives together. But as you know, lots of times uh, we like to cause problems with that. And pornography today is one of those things that often can clog up that great blessing that God has given to us. So we need to talk about it. We need to unclog that drain because it affects so many people and it affects them from enjoying that blessing that God has given to us. So let me give you a couple statistics. Three in five men and one in five women look at pornography every week. And it's pretty safe to assume, it would be naive of us to think, that those statistics don't apply to people in this church. Three in five men and one in five women struggle with this every single week. And even more startling of all, Uh, The average age a child is exposed to pornography is somewhere around the ages of 8 to 11. And sexual sins and sexual temptations have been around from the dawn of time. But uh, more people are struggling with the sin of pornography than ever have before. And there's a reason for that. And the reason for that are the three A's. A number one, pornography is accessible. Back in the day before the internet, if you wanted pornography, you would have to drive to like a gas station to buy a magazine or go to some like sketchy movie theater. But now anyone that has an internet connection has access to more than 100 Playboy magazines. Anyone that owns an iPad or a cell phone or a laptop or an Xbox has literally infinite access to millions of pornographic images and videos. It's accessible. It's so accessible that sometimes you see porn even when you're not looking for it. It shows up on movies, shows up on billboards. Um, I have a story about this. Uh, The first week I was here as a pastor, it was either like the first or second week. I was here in my office, and you know, I was a new guy on the job being super nice to everyone and all that, because you want to do everything right when you're first week at a job. And there I was in my office, on my computer, and like a very graphic ad popped up on my screen. Like a very graphic ad. And there I was, as a pastor, first week trying to do everything right, and pornography was there on my screen. And I quick-clicked out of it and tried to get rid of it. Uh, So the question is not if you will ever see porn in your lifetime. The question is when. When is it going to happen? When are you going to be able to talk to your children about this? When are you going to have to deal with this issue? Because it's so accessible now and it's in your face, whether you want to see it or not. Second, it's anonymous. Like I said before, you would have to physically go somewhere to buy pornography, and that could risk uh, being seen by somebody you know, and that could kind of help keep temptations at bay. But now you can watch pornography in the privacy of your own home, and no one will ever know about it. Um, When you talk about other addictions, like addictions to uh, drugs or alcohol, You might have some symptoms if you're addicted to that. You know, there might be a smell of alcohol on your breath or a smell of smoke on your jacket, or you might have a slurred speech. But if someone is addicted to pornography, there's not really any symptoms. Somebody could watch pornography in the basement then come upstairs and kiss his spouse on the cheek, and she would never know. That's the nature of pornography. It's anonymous. And since it's anonymous, kind of by human nature, when you know that you're not going to get caught for something aren't you way more likely to do it? That's true with so many things in, in the world and including pornography. And finally, it's affordable. Often the price is right for pornography that it's free. And since it's free, it's so easy to do. And these three A's together, uh, they kind of create the perfect storm to have so many people struggling with this issue. Since it's accessible, anonymous, and affordable, More people than ever before have been addicted to pornography. So we need to talk about it. Because purity can be a great thing. When you have purity in a marriage, it's a huge blessing. When you know that as you start getting older as a husband and a wife, isn't it a great blessing as a wife to know that your husband only has eyes for you? And as a single person, isn't it great to live a pure life? where you know that you're not weighed down by that guilty conscience anymore because you're no longer struggling with pornography. And if you're dating, isn't it great to live a pure life in your relationship as well? To know that you're not messing around with your significant other and to know that you're saving yourselves for marriage. Purity can be a great blessing from God. It's the way how God intended us to use that blessing. But we know also that uh, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work to be pure. And uh, so we need to talk about this for all the people that are struggling and so that we can grow up and have uh, pure relationships. And to do that, I want to tell you the story about Joseph. Joseph was the, the first lesson that we read before. And uh, Joseph, he grew up in a big family. He had 11 brothers. And the father's name was Jacob. And Jacob was very clear that he liked Joseph more than all the other brothers. And he even proved this by giving Joseph like this snazzy technicolor jacket. And as you can imagine, his brothers became jealous. They were so jealous that they beat him up and threw him into a pit. And you thought your brothers were bad. And instead of leaving him for dead, they decided, oh, what's the next best thing? We'll sell them to slave traders. So they literally sold their brother to the slave market. This could have been terrible for Joseph. You know, Imagine all the people that could have bought him and done terrible things to him. But instead, he was bought by a man named Potiphar. And Potiphar was a great man. He saw how good of a worker Joseph was and he promoted him to being the best servant in his whole house. And this just turned out to be such a great situation for Joseph. But the Bible also says something about Joseph. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph. So Joseph was well-built and handsome. It's kind of like the Zac Efron of ancient Israel, if you know what I'm talking about. He had the tan skin and like that swoop in his hair. And it didn't take long for Potiphar's wife to notice him. And this is what she said to him. Come to bed with me. No subtleties there, huh? No beating around the bush. She just lays it all out for him right there. Come to bed with me, like a master talking to a slave. But Joseph doesn't listen. He refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. So Joseph says no, and then he goes on to explain a whole bunch of reasons why this is a bad idea for him to sleep with her. He starts off by saying, I mean, I have a good job, and I don't want to lose my job. And I work for Potiphar, and I like Potiphar, I don't want to respect him. And I know you guys are married, and that would be terrible for your marriage if you did that. And he lists the reasons why it's a bad idea. And I could do the same for you. Why is looking at pornography a bad idea? Well, first, it's fake and unrealistic. Oftentimes, those pictures and videos are photoshopped and the women are airbrushed to look unrealistic. They don't don't even look like a normal human anymore. And the sex that's portrayed in those videos, it's just unrealistic and outrageous. So can you imagine if there was a guy who was watching pornography for 10 years before he got married, and then he got married and his whole sex life was just messed up because he thought it would be like pornography? It could cause all sorts of problems because pornography is fake and unrealistic. It hurts marriages. I ran across a statistic that states that 56% of divorces, pornography has something to, to be the reason for it. It doesn't say that it's the reason why the couple got the divorce. But at some area, the pornography by one of the spouses caused problems that led to uh, the couple getting a divorce. And that's a big deal. I, uh, at the seminary, you have to write this long paper. They call it a senior thesis, your last year, to be able to get your master's degree. And I wrote my senior thesis on uh, counseling wives who have a husband addicted to pornography. And... The words that women used when they described uh, hearing about their husband's addiction for the first time were startling. They said things about how they felt betrayed and abandoned, how hurt they were and how angry they were. And one that kept coming up over and over again was, how can I compete with that? How can I compete with all those images and of all those pictures of women? And a reason why I point this out is because often with pornography, the excuse for why you should be able to do it is people say, well, I'm not hurting anyone. It's just something I do by myself. But if you think that's true, true, ask your spouse. Look at all the other failed marriages because of what somebody decided to think about how to use pornography. Pornography hurts marriages. And finally, it's addictive. You might start small, might start with just looking at a couple of pictures, uh, but just like how when you start taking a little bit of a drug, eventually the high wears off, and to get that same high, you need to take more of that drug. And the same is true with pornography. It starts with pictures, then it turns to more pictures, and then it turns to videos, and then it turns to more graphic videos. And if you want to be able to stop, you say you can stop at any time, but you can't. It's addictive. There are so many reasons why pornography is a bad idea. And Joseph, he listed off all the reasons for him to, go, uh, to give into sexual temptation, all the reasons why that was a bad idea. But then he says this, the biggest reason of all, How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Joseph knew that primarily this temptation was a sin against God. He could have thought to himself, you know, hey, Maybe we won't get caught, maybe Potiphar or Potiphar won't find out, maybe no one else will find out, and I'll just do it this one time, and no one will know. But Joseph knew that God knew. He knew that any type of temptation that you give into is first and foremost a sin against God. And that is true with pornography. Maybe you'll never be caught. Maybe no one will ever know. But how can you do such a wicked thing and sin against God? God gave us this blessing of sex to be enjoyed between a husband and a wife, and it's a great blessing. But when we misuse it, it makes God righteously upset. It hurts other people, it hurts yourself, but it's a sin against God. And though she spoke to Joseph, day after day, he refused to go to bed with her, or even to be with her. So this wasn't just a one-time temptation, She kept pestering and trying to seduce him day after day. And maybe you can relate to that with pornography. If you're struggling with that temptation, it doesn't just go away after one day. It's something you have to keep struggling and keep fighting against. And that kept happening to Joseph until one day, she caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. So Joseph was right there at sexual temptation. And in that moment, Joseph sprinted like a Jamaican track star and left Potiphar's wife in a cloud of Egyptian dust. Joseph did the manliest, bravest thing that he could do in that moment was to get out of the house and run away. And that's what the Bible tells us to do when we face sexual temptation. When those temptations come, it's not smart to try and just stay there and fight it yourself. Instead, the Bible tells us to run. In 1 Corinthians 6, it says, Flee from sexual immorality. Get out of there. Sprint away. So when next time you are faced with some type of temptations, what you should do is lace up your Nikes and run away. If you're struggling with looking at uh, pornography when you're home alone, sprint away and go somewhere else. Go to a coffee shop, go on a walk, go shopping, whatever it is, get out of there. If you're struggling with your significant other being alone with that person, then Lace up your Nikes and sprint out of there. Get out of that situation. If you're struggling with that one movie that you're watching, sprint out of there. Turn that movie off. It doesn't matter if you miss the conclusion or not. Run away from that movie. The principle is, is pretty easy to understand. Pretty simple. When you're facing temptation, you should run away. That's what the Bible says. It makes sense. It's not hard to understand. So then why don't we run away from temptation? It's easy to understand. We should run. So then, why don't we? Why don't we just run when we face temptation? Well, I think probably the big reason why you don't is because it's inconvenient. If you're struggling with looking at pornography on your cell phone, delete the internet browser. Run away from it. But I have a feeling your first response to why you shouldn't do that Well, because it's inconvenient. I don't want to have to have a cell phone without an internet browser. I use my internet browser. Or if you're struggling with your significant other when you're all alone, sprint away from that situation. Only go on dates in public. But what's your objection? It's inconvenient. I don't want to have to go through all that work of planning dates in public. It's so much easier to just invite her over to my apartment and watch TV together. If you're struggling with these things, if you're struggling with a movie and you're, you keep falling into the temptation for watching these R-rated movies, stop watching that movie. Sprint away from it. But you might say, it's inconvenient. That's what I do on my Friday nights. It's enjoyable. I want to know how this movie ends. But the Bible tells us we need to run away. And the reason why we don't is often because it's inconvenient to our lives. It takes work to get yourself out of sexual temptation. You physically have to do something. You either need to go somewhere or stop an activity that you had planned. And so often we don't because it's inconvenient. But there's another reason. There's a reason why we don't run away from sexual temptation. And the reason is because deep down, there is something inside of you that likes looking at those filthy images. There's something inside of you that likes to lust after other people. There's something inside of you that tells you that this temptation is no big deal, but then as soon as you give in to it, it accuses you and tells you that you're the worst sinner that you could ever be, and God will never forgive you for that. That thing inside of you is your sinful nature. It's always there with you, and whenever God tells you to run, your sinful nature tells you to stay put. That lives inside of you. So how can you get away from that? How can you sprint away from your sinful nature? Because wherever you sprint to, you know it's going to be right there with you. Well, if you can't sprint away from your sinful nature, then we need somebody to save us, don't we? And that's what Jesus came here to do. When Jesus left heaven and came to this world, he lived as a man for 33 years, a man who had temptations. Jesus fought off temptations from the devil constantly. He had uh, friends who were women. He spent time and ministered to prostitutes. He even saved that one prostitute from getting stoned. And even though he had these women in his life, he never once lusted after them. He never once treated them as an object. Instead, he loved them and lived a pure life. And Jesus, he lived his pure life so that he could be nailed to a cross and and take on all of our dirtiness, all the filthiness, everything that we've ever done wrong. Jesus did that. Jesus was pure, but he became dirty so that we could be pure and one day walk into heaven. Jesus dealt with the clogged shower drain of sin so that he could shower upon us blessings for eternal life. That's what Jesus did for us. So it doesn't matter what you've done wrong. It doesn't matter if you've fallen into this temptation a thousand times. Jesus forgives it every single time and says, you're my child. You still have a place in my home. We don't keep the commandments to get to heaven, but we just do it as a way to say thank you to what God has done for us. And since Jesus did this for us, that's going to lead us to want to sprint. That's going to lead us to want to run away from temptation. So how do we do that? I'm going to give you three practical ways if this is something that you're struggling with or someone you know is struggling with uh, with this temptation, that could really help you out. And The first one is a website called Conquerors Through Christ. It's our synod website that's devoted specifically to helping people that have some form of problem with pornography. And whether you or somebody you love has this problem, it's a great source for resources. It has lots of good videos uh, that help talk about this subject. It has resources for if you're a parent that's not sure what to do to help your child grow up in a digital age. They have all sorts of resources. Conquerors through Christ. Check it out. Second one, another website. It's called Covenant Eyes. And Covenant Eyes is an accountability program. It's a program that you install on all of your devices. Um, so the thought behind it is that um, you can you go to any website you want to on the Internet, but after the week is over, uh, this, this program, it documents all your websites and sends it over to a friend of your choosing. And your friend will be able to see everything that you looked at in that past week and hold you accountable. Um, I have this on my iPad, on my cell phone, on my laptop. I think it's a great thing that just about everyone should have. Uh, If you have a family computer, if you have uh, any struggle with this temptation at all, it's $11 a month, but it's a great price to pay for the sake of purity. If you have any questions about it, please let me know. And finally, one of the best resources there are is a good friend. Uh, The reason why so many people are addicted to pornography and they hold on to it for so long, is simply because uh, they don't want to talk about it to anyone. They keep it a secret for so long. And that's the same with any addiction. Why are addictions powerful? Because it's a secret. And you're not asking for help from anyone. And one of the best resources there are out there is find someone you trust and tell them that you're struggling with it. And if it's a good friend, they will forgive you in Jesus' name. They're not going to be judgmental, but instead will point you to help. And if you don't have a friend you can trust at this point in your life, um, feel free to talk to me. I'd love to be able to talk to you about this. If someone came to me and asked for counseling in this area, uh, you know what I'd say? I'd say, you know you're forgiven in Jesus' name, right? I'm not going to be judgmental. I'm not going to say, ew, gross, this is the first time I heard of somebody struggling with this. No way. Instead, I'll pour out Jesus' love and will help you get in the right direction for this area of your life. Good friends are so valuable for this. Um, So it's because it gets rid of the secret temptation that you have. And finally, I'd like to show you the background picture of my cell phone and iPad. I've had this picture for about two years now. It might be kind of hard to see, but it's an outline of Jesus, and it has all sorts of sins written on him. Pride, malice, deceit gossip, hate, greed, adultery, envy, all the sins that were written on Jesus when he died on the cross. And you might be able to see here, in big letters, porn. Jesus died for the sin of pornography. Whatever sin you're struggling with, no matter how many times you've struggled with it, Jesus died for that sin too. And since we know that, Since we know that Jesus died for that, we don't need to struggle with that guilty conscience anymore because Jesus forgives you and he sees you as pure and innocent in his eyes. And since he did that for us, we'll be motivated and let's be motivated. Let's put on our Nikes, let's lace them up, and let's sprint away from temptation just like Joseph did. We do this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand.